The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome to you all in the name of Jesus Christ today. Welcome to those in the room. Welcome to those once again online. It's good to be with you. And for those of us speaking online, uh, for those of us in the room who are visitors, if you are uh, fairly new amongst us, I would love to encourage you to go find our website. It's thesprings.cc. And especially if you're looking to connect with us, there's a lot of great information on there. But if you go to thesprings.cc slash contact, you can get in touch with us, and you can allow us to get in touch with you, and we would love to be able to connect with you somehow, to, to get your information, to give you information, to know how we can serve you, to know how we can pray for you, and to keep you updated on what's happening around here. So if you get the chance later today, thesprings.cc slash contact is a, a great place for you to go. And speaking of what's happening around here, we have a brand new sermon series coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm excited. Uh, September 13th, Ben is going to kick us off in a series on the book of Revelation. So that's going to be very exciting, very juicy book, very wild. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've been planning it for a long time, long before we knew 2020 would be the cataclysmic year that it's been. But it's called Revelation, Citizens of a Different Kingdom. So I especially want to encourage you to, to be here, to be online. September 13th, Ben is going to kick us off in the book of Revelation. Very excited to launch into that study with all of you. So that means this morning is the second to the last sermon in the Word of the Lord sermon series. And that lines us up this morning in the lectionary text of Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will keep burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil 
but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we give thanks for your word this morning. What a grace it is to gather, to put ourselves under the authority of your words, and to seek to know the deep meaning within your life-giving text. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to, to grant us the truth of this text this morning that you would speak to us a word. And God, I ask for the gift of preaching. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let love be genuine. When I looked at the lectionary text provided for today and I saw Romans 12, I thought, Romans 12, comfort food. Because... Romans 12 has been very important to me for a long time. I grew up in a house where scripture was highly esteemed, highly important. But if I had to narrow it down to one chapter of the Bible that my dad constantly tried to impart to me, Romans 12. Over and over and over again, I'd be sitting up in my room and my dad would come knock on the door and grab my Bible off my desk and set it on my lap and be like, take five minutes, read Romans 12. Romans 12, Romans 12, Romans 12, over and over and over again. So when I saw it was lined up for this morning, I thought, Romans 12, comfort food. I've spent my whole life just soaking in it. I've chewed on this for a long, long time. But then I had another thought. I thought, you know, if you look at Romans 12 and read it and think comfort food, you might not even be reading Romans 12 anymore. It is a text that is about love, which we love and gives us the warm fuzzies. But if you really dive into the text, if you really realize what's being asked of you, if it goes beyond just stitched on a Hobby Lobby pillow or framed on Instagram or Pinterest, you'll realize this text is deeply unsettling, deeply uncomfortable, because it calls us to see just how far Christian love can go. How far can we take the love of Jesus Christ? Those are the questions in the back of our hearts and minds this morning as we launch into Romans 12 together, beginning in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Romans 12, 12 lands loudly in 2020. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. I know I need those words this morning. But Paul doesn't begin with hope and prayer. Paul begins with love. 
And that really is the overriding theme of this passage. He says, let love be genuine. And he tells us how to enact that love throughout the passage. Outdo one another in showing honor, mutual affection. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And then extend hospitality to strangers. So this is a communal ethic of Christian love for a community shaped by the cross and resurrection. And it starts in the community, but it doesn't end there, right? Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints and your community to the saints in Jerusalem, all around, all the Christian churches, but also extend hospitality to strangers. That's how far Christian love needs to go. Tom Holland published a book last year. This is Tom Holland, the historian, not Tom Holland, Spider-Man. (laughs) I would read that book, though. And it's a book called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. And I haven't read the whole thing, but I did read this little chapter. I was looking at a chapter called Charity. And it's a chapter that kind of describes the Greek and Roman gods and the ethics that they brought about versus the God revealed in a crucified Jew, Jesus. And he talks about the way that the Greek and Roman gods didn't look happily upon the downtrodden. Like if you look at the heroes in Homer's Iliad, the heroes that were favored by the gods, they scorned the downtrodden. The beggars were made to be, they they thought they should be rounded up and deported, right? People who were starving weren't deserving of sympathy. But the Christian revolution of love changed that radically. Radically, and one of the ways that it did that is he focuses in on Basil of Caesarea, who's a famous Christian bishop and thinker. And in 369 AD, Basil of Caesarea did something amazing. He established what was essentially the world's first hospital. There were other sorts of kind of clinics before then in the ancient world, but nothing like what we have today. And what we have today, we trace back to Christians in the 4th century, specifically Basil of Caesarea. And Holland writes this about him. He says, Basil, who had studied medicine while in Athens, did not himself scorn to tend the sick. Even lepers, whose deformities rendered them objects of particular revulsion, might be welcomed by the bishop with a kiss and given both refuge and care. The more broken men and women were, the readier was Basil to glimpse Christ in them. One of the ways Christian love extended and remade the world was by inventing the hospital, by establishing hospitals. And what could be more pertinent and important in our moment today than this part of the Christian revolution. We think of all the frontline healthcare workers right now, the doctors and nurses and staff and administration. We think of our very own Kim Langford. Our very own Kim Langford, who again, I'll remind you, flew into the epicenter of the pandemic. Flew into it to serve COVID patients at a hospital in Harlem you can draw a straight line from Kim Langford to Basil of Caesarea to Romans 12 to Jesus Christ. 
that is the Christian revolutionary love ethic. That's how far it goes. But it goes further. It goes further. What about not just love for a stranger? What about love for someone who opposes us? What about love for an antagonist? Paul continues in verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Sometimes people point out the fact that in Paul's letters, you don't really get a lot of the teachings of Jesus. Paul talks about Jesus all the time. But he's usually talking about the climactic work of Jesus on the cross or the resurrection and what that means for churches. We don't get a lot of what we know of Jesus' teachings from the Gospels, but that's one of the things I love so much about Romans 12. It reads like it comes straight off the page from the Sermon on the Mount. Right? There's so much of Jesus' teachings here in Romans 12, especially that verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And it's amazing to think that Paul is writing this incredible letter, this demanding ethic, to a group of Christians he's never met. At this point in Paul's life, he's never been to the church in Rome. A lot of the churches that Paul wrote to, he actually established, but he's never met these Christians, and yet he's calling them to this incredible, radical ethic of Christian love. That is a bold move. Paul is calling them to extend love even to those who persecute them. That's how far it goes. And yet I think it goes even further. In verse 17, Paul says this. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. These words might be comfort food until you try to live them out. Look at the extremes Paul is pushing us to here. Never avenge yourselves? Don't repay anyone evil for evil? That's not what we want. We deeply, when someone really harms us, we want to make it right in our way. We really want justice or even revenge to be done. All right, think about how popular revenge movies are in our culture. One of my very all-time favorite movies, The Count of Monte Cristo, so good completely centered on revenge, right? Quentin Tarantino has, has made a cottage industry of kind of living out people's revenge fantasies because we want to see that because it's fulfilling for us somehow. 
right? And we don't think of this person today primarily as an author for obvious reasons, but I think one of the writers who captures this most vividly in our culture is Donald Trump, right? We think of him more as the president now, but before that, he was actually a best-selling author. We think of The Art of the Deal, but in 2008, he wrote a book called Think Big, Make It Happen in Business and Life, and he actually devotes an entire chapter to the topic of revenge. It's just called revenge, and he says this. He says, when someone crosses you, my advice is get even. That is not typical advice, but it is real life advice. If you do not get even, you are just a schmuck. When people wrong you, go after those people because it is a good feeling and because other people will see you doing it. I love getting even. This is one of the worldviews on offer today. Yeah, I quote these words because this is one of the worldviews being broadcast to our young people, to our middle-aged, to everyone. And honestly, if your goal is to become successful, to become powerful, it's probably pretty good advice. And if your goal is to become rich and famous, it might be pretty good advice. But make no mistake, it's not Paul's advice. In fact, Paul's not giving us advice. Paul's giving us the gospel, which he calls us to obey, and the gospel's not good advice. The gospel is good news. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ would rather die for his enemies than get even. Jesus Christ would rather die for his enemies than get even with them. This is the Jesus who on the cross in Luke says what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is the Jesus who inspired the words in verse 20. And 21, where Paul continues and says, no, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This reference to burning coals is interesting. Apparently, it's a reference to Egyptian culture, where someone would wear a basket on their head with burning coals inside in order to symbolize and show their penitence. So Paul's not saying, yeah, be disingenuously nice to this person so they feel terrible. Right? Paul's saying, be generous, be charitable, be kind in order that you might lead them to repentance and therefore reconciliation so that you might overcome evil with good. This is an unsettling ethic. This is a challenging text. How, how do we even live this out? Why even try. None of us actually live up to it. None of us really want all of this on some level, do we? 
Why do we do this? Why do we seek to extend Christian love that far, even to a persecutor, to an enemy? Paul tells us. He told us in Romans 5. It's there that he says, God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely than now that we've been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Romans 12 is not comfort food. It's deeply unsettling. It's deeply provocative. And if we actually try to live it out, we will fail. But this is the ethic that Paul has called us to. Right? It's not the community ethic that you would write if your goals were to be rich. It's not the community ethic you would write if your goals were to be powerful. It's not the community ethic we would write if any of our ultimate goals were this worldly, were from this world. But it's the community ethic you write if you worship the God crucified in Jesus. It's the enemy love required of a people who've become friends of God. Romans 12 is the call placed upon a cross-shaped community. That's what Jesus has called us to. And we will fail. But church, if you hear me say anything this morning, hear this. This is what we've signed up for. This is the joyous frustrating, impossible, gracious task that Jesus pioneered and we must follow because that is what God is like. The God who in Jesus Christ would rather die for his enemies than get even. That is an amazing God. Let's stand and praise that God in Jesus Christ together, church.